Hello, movie lovers. Welcome home. My name is Amy Hinsterling, and you are listening to Watch This List Unplugged. I have a very special guest today who I have been friends with on Letterboxd for quite some time now. Uh, this is Graham. And uh, actually, Graham, before we start talking, it just occurred to me that I have no idea what your avatar is. Could you could you uh, tell us what, what is in your picture, in your profile yeah. picture? <laughs> My avatar, it's a, it's a yeah. thing. Ah. Um, guy, the Japanese character dressed up in a Superman costume. What, what made you choose it? Like, because you've had that for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, Superman was the first film that I saw at the cinema with my dad when I was um. 10, I think. Um, yeah, and he was a pretty busy guy. I didn't get to see him too much, so we spent the whole day at the movies, and it was a, an awesome memory for the Sophie's Row, I think. So that's what that's all about. So what did it make you, why did you pick that particular image though, instead of just like where somebody would like immediately know that it's Superman from like the movie? Well, I was just trying to be a bit fun, you know, I've mm. never really grown up. I think that much is pretty <laughs> obvious to anyone that reads any of my stuff. Uh, I tried quite hard not to grow up. It's uh, it's a defense mechanism, I think. Ah. Oh. I have a couch. I actually don't have a couch, Graham. Otherwise we could have a little session yeah. and delve Go into another time, I think. Yeah, just another time. Um, I was going to say, too, uh, actually, one thing I always associate with you is <laughs> the uh, – what, what is the nice way to say this, Graham? Like, your your taste in films are always a little bit on the erotic side, I, oh. I would say. Don't you think? Like, you usually you usually watch, like, kind of – A little bit uh, of stuff. Yeah. Like, your cover photo, for one, oh, is yeah. – well, that's a Japanese classic, that one. That, uh, oh, okay. Nariyama one. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, actually a remake of an old 50s film. But mm. that image in particular, it just, I saw it and I thought it was hilarious. So it stayed with me forever. It's, it's actually not one of my <laughs> favorite films. I just love the picture. <laughs> you just love that when people come to your page, this is the first thing that they see. It, it really is quite provocative. <laughs> Pray to Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> Great start. So, uh, Graham, uh, I, you're actually one of my oldest, uh, follows. Like you're one of the people that I, that I, um, found early on when I was on Letterboxd before I even like was yeah, chatting with. Me. I thought you were just going to say I was an old guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, that's right. And another thing is that <laughs> Graham, uh, I thought that Graham was an Australian millennial and it, it turned out that he was not Australian at all. Right? Not uh, like you live there, but. Yeah, I mean, officially, I've been here 15 years and I'm a citizen now, but yeah. Uh, mm. I, I spent but, my life in, in England. Right, exactly. So I was wrong about that. And then uh, you're a Gen Xer, a proud one at that, like they all are. Right? Yes, indeed. Yes. The silent you, generation. You can't really America. be a Gen Xer and not be proud of it, I feel. <laughs> I was born in the very best of years. See, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what that's what they all say. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to be able to meet and see the truth, really, because it's it's just it's so refreshing to be able to like chat with people because you get all these ideas in your head about people, and it's like, you know, when you meet them, it just feels like you know them so much better. Yeah. 
exactly. No, it's been it's been really cool. And I think going through this process with what's this list as well, you get to see a lot of a lot of faces that you've spoken to for years, and it suddenly all just comes together when you see them. Oh wow! Oh wow! Jenna was a great example. I, I totally not what I expected, but a complete diamond. <laughs> we love her. We yeah. love Jetta. Jetta's the MVP of watch this list, really. <laughs> Besides Frank. Oh, I have to tell I have to say oh yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to get in trouble with Frank Ritz. Okay, so Graham, so uh the two movies that Graham chose uh for his hidden gems are actually exceptionally different uh in tone. Basically, I would say every single way. Um but the uh the first one that we're gonna cover is Quadrophenia, uh, which is a 1979 movie directed by Frank Rodham, who uh, I believe only directed one other film. So this is like, he, he's not, he wasn't prolific at all. No, not at all. I think he, he had a history as a documentary maker. And you can see that in some of the shots in Quadrophenia. I think there's a, there's a couple of scenes during the, the riot scene where you have the, the crowd coming towards the, the mm. camera. And you can just tell that the camera's going with the crowd rather than waiting for the crowd to come to it. And it's like a pack of lions running at you. It just, you really get that sense of documentary. Um, but yeah, you're right. He hasn't done much at all. I think there was a couple of crummy kind of early 70s TV movies. Yeah. This was his main one. Well, well, the first question, Graham, just in case no one's heard of this, which I'm assuming that most have not since we're, since it's Hidden Gem. How would you describe Quadrophenia to someone who hasn't seen it? Yeah, I think most people that are from the UK will have probably heard of it, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, I mm. think outside of the UK, probably not so much. Right. Um, and it is on the Criterion channel too, which... which Strangely, yeah. To be honest, I've, I've had the disc for years. but um, So it's essentially about a young lad called Jimmy and who wants more from life. And he tries to find it with his gang, the mods, and the smartly dressed, pill-popping, scooter-riding mods. And they're all well-dressed and they hate the rockers, the, the leather-clad, big bike-riding, um, greasy guys. And so Jimmy wanted to be one of the gang. Uh, he lives with his parents, he's a regular guy, has an ordinary job, no girlfriend, he's not particularly handsome, um, doesn't have much money. And he's kind of someone that most people can relate to, I think, growing up. Um, but Jimmy wanted to be a someone. And we've all yes. been there, right? <laughs> he's kind of a, like a quintessential everyman in a way. Yeah, I think so. And anyone that's kind of been a teenager and struggled to realise how they fit into the world. Um, mm. This really ticks the boxes, and I think I'll go out on a limb and say this has got the best soundtrack of any film ever. I knew you were going to say that. So what's it based on, Graham? So it's based on um, an album of the same name called Quadrophenia. Um, Cracky, when was Quadrophenia? I think it was um, 1973. Yeah, that's right. So 1973, it was issued as a, a rock opera album. Mm. Um, very different to Tommy, which was also from the Who, the Ken Russell film from a few years prior to that. Yes. Uh, 
but the album was essentially about this kid and, and there was tracks on the album that told the story of this kid who, who struggled to understand who he was and to make his way through life. And in the back of the album, there were sleeve notes that kind of told this story when it was first released in a, in a pretty raw fashion. And that was the basis for the film. Wow. Yeah. And they were, I mean, basically the, the, the bulk of the soundtrack is that like, it's just one song from the album after another, as you're sort of going yeah, through it. it and you, the film's a little different, I think, because they had to try and get a, a broader sense of that era in the mid sixties. So there's all sorts of wild music in, in amongst the who stuff. Mm, um, right. But I think the the who album itself, I, I still listen to it now and it's just a, a great piece of music and it's fantastic driving music as well. Um, and what what does that word mean, Graham? Quadrophenia. Oh, it's a take on um, schizophrenia. So it's for multiple personalities, but four multi-personalities. Um, and you see that Jimmy has four personalities in the film. But when the album came out, it was intended to reflect the four personalities of the band. The four 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 members of the band. Quadrophenia. Ah, it's an interesting word. It's kind of a fun word to say. Like, what are you watching? Quadrophenia. It's pretty cool, ain't it, darling? Ain't it, darling? I you so so Graham and I were talking about this beforehand. I I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I I have to you know charge through this. But I I was telling him that while I was watching it, I kept wanting to speak in the accent. (laughs) quadrophenia and like that um it's so it's cockney right i mean it's it's like it's west london yeah yeah yeah. so it makes you want to it makes you want to speak in that sort of like intense to me it's just so uh visceral and immediate like every time they talk it's like all right like it's got a punch to it uh they it's like demanding to be heard yeah. In it, and then they, and then I was telling Grandma like about the, the questions at the end where every time they say a line, it always ends in a question. <laughs> like, like I don't want to go, do I? You know. Yeah, that's probably Monkey. I mean, there's there's a few fantastic characters in here, and they're all they're all so bloody energetic. Um, and they yeah. were new, right? I mean, no one really knew who, well, almost any of them were. I think Ray Winston or Raymond Winston, as he was known at the time. Um, <laughs> Raymond. A couple of films prior to that. Um, Sting mm. hadn't released an album. So, the, the yeah, that, that was all yet to happen. Toya Wilcox, who kind of became a, a mainstay of the British punk scene in the early 80s, was unheard of. So that was her first gig as well. And, and so it goes. And Dave, the guy who's Jimmy's mate and, and eventually end up, ended up with Steph, um, he was 16 at the time, if you could mm. believe it. Um, wow. Comes across as a much older character. Uh, and there was a, there's a pretty cool story. So apparently he, he cracked the sads not long after filming started and threatened to go home to his mum because he wasn't having a good time. And, and he was really into punk. Um, this is mm-hmm. Mark Wingett, the actor. Um, Frank Rodham happened to have in his possession a, a Sid Vicious t-shirt 
that was covered in his puke from a, a gig many years previously. And he bribed Mark Wingett to stay by giving him this Sid Vicious T-shirt, which apparently would have been worth a fortune today had his mum not washed it as soon as he got home. Oh, my gosh, Graham. Can you believe it? What a story. <laughs> what a story. Wow. <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like in the world of like like the film industry, like there's just so many things like it, like being on set and having like I can only imagine how many things like it's it's miraculous how coherent a film actually is, considering how many moving parts there are and random stuff that's going on yeah. with with so many oh, people. That, you mentioned the Criterion Channel earlier. There's a good um, okay. Mm a documentary style film. I think they've got the director and the, the cinematographer talking mm. all around the film. And there's a whole bunch of anecdotes that came out from that. Um, one of the things I was, I was mentioning to Amy earlier, that the film was really low budget. So they did, they spent quite a lot of time doing like he's around the streets of London, trying to find dark streets that had good um, artificial lighting from the street lights because they couldn't afford the lighting to, to actually light up the sets. Mm. Um, and there was a bunch of other stories that, that happened during the riot scenes, I think. Um, just trying to think what happened, what, where have I got? I made some notes because I knew I would forget this bit. <laughs> um, yeah, Phil Davis jumped on the back of a real policeman during the riot scene. So they had mm. all of these... Um, extras that were dressed up as policemen. The idea was he was supposed to jump on the back of a policeman and kind of tackle him to the ground. Mm -hmm. And he got the wrong guy. <laughs> so, oh, my so gosh. The policeman and nearly got himself nicked. Uh, Mark Wingate got knocked out by a flying potato in the right scene because the rocks were all actually potatoes. Painted as well. Wow. <laughs> Never heard of that in my life. That's definitely a first. <laughs> um, and there's a scene towards the end where Jimmy gets knocked off his bike by the postie um, and completely loses his shit. Um, totally ad-libbed. Wasn't supposed to happen. Um, the, he was meant to just drive around the corner, but the, the postie <laughs> clipped him on the way around. And Jimmy was like, you've killed me, Scooter. <laughs> so this is, kind of, this is kind of a, like a, a passion project slash like, like they still included things that went awry just to give it that sort of like authenticity, the doc yeah, feel yeah. that you were saying, like a documentary feel almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that they were all unknown actors as well really helped. Mm -hmm. they, nearly, um, they nearly ended up with Sid Vicious playing the role of Jimmy as well. And um, that, that was yeah. very close. I think up until about six weeks beforehand, um, they realized they couldn't actually get insurance for him. Ah, and that was the reason why why we didn't have uh, it wasn't superstitious. Sorry, it's Johnny Rotten, um, John Lydon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Lydon. So, Graham, why uh, why do you think that this is? I know that you said at the beginning it's more popular where you are and the UK, but like, why do you think it's underseen? Maybe just it's, yeah, generally, it's just a, a regional thing or what? But um, when it came out. The, the UK press didn't take to it at all. Um, okay. They thought it was 
not a reasonable reflection of the youth of the time and it was too harsh and all that kind of stuff and bear in mind this was uh, a media that was being managed by the crusties at the bbc and so they were very old old-fashioned old worldly they didn't want to see bunches of youths fighting on the beaches at brighton um, right or to, to incite violence amongst you know other like that's what we were just talking about, me and Benjamin, with the Wanderers, where it was like they were afraid that it was going to, or the yeah. Warriors, that it was going to cause actual, you know, violence in real life. Absolutely. So I think a combination of that, uh, apparently it was, it was, um, it did quite well in the US when it first got released, but it was short-lived. Mm. And the posters were pretty crappy. The marketing was not great. And it was only really, I think, in the late 70s, sorry, the early 80s, when there was a bit of a punk revival in the UK when that that kind of gave it another kick. Um, and that era, I think, so I'm a, I left school around 85. So that era between 80 and 85, that, that's the, the sweet spot, I think, for this film. It just meant so much. Yeah. And you saw it at the time that it came out, right? Or did you? Or did you see it later? No, I saw it later. Yeah. Okay. So I would have been like 10 when that, it first came out. Yeah, that's a little young. Even though I watched The Exorcist when I was 10. So I I, yeah. I feel like if you're... That's probably the Chainsaw Massacre, I think, when I was about that age. <laughs> it says a lot, Graham. I think a lot of us are like that, where it's just like, if you start talking to hardcore cinephiles, that is something I feel like they have in common is seeing things too early sort of thing. Like, <laughs> you know, mom dropping you off at the movie store. Yeah. Yeah. And then it shapes you forever and then you can't ever, you can't yeah. forget it. And then, you know. Yeah, I think so. It, and, and looking at my kind of history of viewing over the last few years, I don't know. I mean, you, you mentioned there's a fair bit of, risky stuff in there but it, it goes risky stuff like it there's a couple it does of genres i don't really dig at all like i'm not a big western fan anime mm -hmm. hit and miss for me but other than that i'll watch anything i just recall that you know every time graham would like come up in my feed i'd be like what is graham watching like, what is it today? Because it was always things that I've never heard of in my life. Like, it's kind of like Jetta in that way and and uh, Rob, where it's like, what the heck are these guys watching? How, how are they even finding this stuff? You know what I mean? It's like, it's all just like, almost always deep cuts, to me at least. It's know? definitely a mission. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an approach. We go looking for stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was looking at my stats the other day and I was, I think I've only seen about ten films from twenty twenty three this year. Right. Out of that. Yeah, you don't you don't watch a lot of popcorn stuff or like yeah. mainstream. Yeah. Which is weird because I kind of enjoy it when it's on, but yeah, I just tend not to. Yeah. I mean, given the choice, I'd rather watch something on the Criterion Channel or or F Up movies. Mm, <laughs> there, there you go. That's what I think of when I think of you, Graham. F Up movies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's funny it's the same thing <laughs> yeah it's it's great though because it's so it's such a uh it's such an approach in like a world that i'm completely unfamiliar with so it's nice to see like that movie that you just watched last night uh that was like the giallo uh giallo how do i say this I, I always want to i always want to go giallo 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 
um, the uh, Vertigo movie that you said. I was like, oh, this is very intriguing. What was it? It was um... uh, something about the other or another. Was it anguish? No, oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Mm, yeah, the fold sheet, right? Yes, it's just so much. That was today, actually. God, it's up today. Right. Today for me, as of two minutes ago. Graham is in uh, another part of the planet than, than a lot of us. So he's in tomorrow. <laughs> or I guess, uh, yes, yes, you're, you're often in tomorrow. What is it, 9 a.m. for you now? 9 a.m. for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, midnight yeah. for me. Incredible. Uh, okay, so Graham, we're going to move on to your next one, which is completely opposite this uh, thing, mm. this vibe of quadrophenia. And well, we're going to go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to use that every time I speak to you now. It, it's, it's either all right, darling, all right, darling, or um, all right, gov, right? Gov. What are you doing? Yeah, all that. What are you doing? doing it's such a punchy thing See, you're smiling, I, even when you say it ugh. <laughs> it just feels like it's like something that needs to be gotten out i yes. I really enjoy it it's part of the reason i love sexy beasts so much well that it's, was the question i was going to ask you because i had no idea whether you were going to enjoy this at all but i'll be interested to know i did enjoy it i and i am uh, as I have been berated recently, I have no musical taste whatsoever or musical exposure. So listening to The Who like this was really the first time that I've ever been exposed to their music at all. Yeah. So that was really nice. It actually kind of reminded me of um, how Harold and Maude uses Cat Stevens. Yeah. 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 I yeah. like it when a movie just takes an artist and it's the whole thing like it's just the whole soundtrack yeah i mean the thing was executive produced by pete townsend as well so he's the guitarist of the who so you can you can just ask you can feel if you remember that scene where jimmy's lying on his bed and he, he's leaning against the wall and there's a face on the on the wall behind him so mm -hmm. poster, that's that's pete townsend who's the guitarist from the who and Robert very cool. thought at the time that they looked very similar, so he kept it in. Very cool. I like stuff like that. It's just it just makes it seem so much more collaborative and like they're it's kind of like when the author of the book the movie's based on is the screenwriter. That you, that's always a good sign when yeah. when the person who's doing the original material is involved in th some sort of adaptation. Awesome. All right. Okay, so Next one, you ready? So, uh, so this one is uh, a romance uh, called A Summer Story from 1988. Piers Haggard is the director. This one seems like a very special one to you, Graham. Um, but first, how would you describe the film to someone who hasn't seen it? This one's a bit tricky because um, I don't have too much experience with it. Um, so I, I hope... I do it justice. Um, I first saw this got about six weeks ago um, after it was recommended to me by um, Riverly Palace on Letterboxd, mm. who is, I uh, have to say, totally besotted with this film. Um, yes. Bleeding Gaga over it. And I, I get it. I, I wondered at the time, what, what's all the fuss about? Because according to the stats, only 200 people had seen it when I looked. 
200. It was like a ridiculously low amount. Low amount. Yeah, it's... Um, wow. Is it now 271 at the minute? Mm. So, yeah, very, very... Very hidden gem. <laughs> mm. um, yes. And surprising. I think in terms of what it is, though, it's... Um, I guess I'd go along the lines of uh, it's it's like a Bronte sisters classic set in the 1900s. Um, it's uber romantic. Um, I think when you first saw it, Amy, you said that the romance is palpable, and it kind yes. of it hits you fast, and it's it comes in hard, but it's it stays, and I think doesn't get too melodramatic. Um, in terms of the story itself, it's it's based on a 1916 short story called The Apple Tree uh, by John Goldsworthy and tells the tale of a, a young, well-to-do city lawyer um, and his relationship with a farm girl. Um, all pretty simple stuff. So he's wandering through a field, tries to do a, a leap over a fence, twists his ankle and ends up um, bumping into Megan, who's out doing the stuff that farm girls do. Uh, she offered mm -hmm. to help out and, and put him up for a couple of nights while he recovers. And, and that's all it took for them to start their, their beautiful relationship. It's really cool. Yeah. And you can, you can see it uh, almost instantly. Like they, the actors do such a superb job at uh, the sort of love at first sight uh, believability, because as soon as she sees him, it's like, it's there right away. Yeah. And it's kind of nice as well because a, a lot of those films follow that same narrative. It, it's the same, like they mean they have some lovey dovey, there's a death in the family, and then everyone's happy at the end. And this goes a little bit different. And I'm mm -hmm. being careful here because there's, there's, a, there's a couple of really key sp points that I'm not going to spoil because it, it's, it's a spoiler free it's, zone, Graham. It's Thank you. First time around. Um, I, I mm. watched it again last week just to. Try, try and take it in a, a bit more, um, mm. and it, yeah, like I think the the tone and the rhythm of the film improved the second time round, but the ending, mm. like not knowing what it is, it, it really adds something to it. So go watch yeah. it. Go watch it. Go go see it. And actually, uh, one thing I really like too about it is that it's got that sort of uh, Jane Austen setup. At the beginning, uh, but it, but it does sort of subvert expectations, especially actually in uh, like the sexual scenes. Like there's actually nudity in this movie. It, if you start it, you kind of feel like it's like not Hallmark Channel, but where it'd be it'd be very innocent, and they would sort of like imply activity, mm -hmm. and then the camera would move away. And you just have an idea, but it actually is uh, quite, I was like, oh, like, this is quite bold compared to what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be sort of shy and so, it's not at all. Yeah. I mean, it was written in the sixties. The screenplay was written in the sixties um, by Penelope Mortimer. It's uh, a great name. It is an awesome name, isn't it? It's very British. Um, yes. And there's a couple of scenes that were added afterwards as part of the, the production scene. One was the sex scene and one was the sheep shearing scene. 
And they kind of, oh. I think there was a, there was some thought that they had to have something in there that there needed to be something more to grab the audience. Um, and she made a, a couple of quotes in there. She was kind of really worried that Goldsworthy wouldn't have approved it at all. And I think that, that goes in line with what you were just saying. It felt a bit different. Um, yes. And she was cool. Like she had some, some good quotes as well. There was, there was one back there. She said that Frank, the guy that fell over and twisted his ankle, um, he was very much a Goldsworthy character, someone with the guilt of not living up to his own expectations. Such a bastard, but mm. with the best gentlemanly motives. Very well said. A bit like Jimmy from Quadrophenia, right? I was about to make a parallel, Graham. I didn't think that they had a connection, but you're right uh, in terms of, but I think of Jimmy as more, um, this is hard to, I have to be careful too, uh, to <laughs> perhaps less selfish, shall we say, yeah. uh, than, than what Frank ends up being. But like, I do think that the whole, I love movies where, there's an actual progression of of the levels of falling in love as yeah. opposed to just saying, you know, skipping time or they were over here and now they're over here, but you don't see the stages. This movie, I felt like you can watch it grow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Yeah. And, and uh, then you've also got that sort of love triangle situation where there's a guy that's a farmhand who's... Yeah, so the Im Imogen Stubbs plays Megan. Um, we've got Jamie mm -hmm. Ruby as Frank. Um, Susanna York is the mum, or, or sorry, she's the, the auntie, actually, Megan's auntie. Um, mm -hmm. And her son, Flynn, uh, who's Bron from Game of Thrones. I was about to say, we have to say that because I yeah. was like, who is this guy? He looks so familiar. Yeah. And then I was like, that's Bron. Exactly. He's awesome in Game of Thrones. <laughs> And one of the the, the favorites. Yeah, so he's like the farmhand, and he's he's totally over the over the moon with Megan. He just he's yeah obsessed with her. I think is probably the right word. Um, so yeah, and Frank and, and Megan get together. There's there's some drama, drama, right? Yeah. Right. That's where it gets a little Austiny. I I felt. Yeah. But it, but in a in a good way. And and I think that this uh is a more mature variation on very familiar themes that yeah. that we're used to seeing. Yeah, and without giving anything away because I think like you said it's the the ending is it's so important. Um don't don't want to give any of that away because I've seen how you change color when people do that on on this podcast i just i just get enraged graham <laughs> but what i will say is that it builds and it builds and you kind of think that you know exactly where it's going and then it doesn't so yeah and uh riv actually had said uh i liked how his review was saying that it was about providence and um mm. th that it has to do with fate uh there's there's a couple of lines in there that i wrote down when i was watching it like quotes um about fate and sort of chance you know how okay. certain events like it missing a train or getting on a train can determine a trajectory and that's not necessarily i mean it has to do with choice but 
it's an intriguing idea always. Yeah, and, and Frank's obviously torn between following his heart and staying true to his, his um, standing in community, shall we say. So there's this whole thing about different levels of, um, yeah, different levels of people in society, especially back then. It was, it was more of a big deal. Expectations, oh, like, like uh, Downton Abbey in a way yeah exactly. you know like someone upstairs falling in love with someone downstairs so sort of thing kitchen stuff. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i it also made me think of i just watched uh the movie sliding doors have you seen that with oh, gwyneth paltrow yeah, yeah 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 and um and um uh blind chance is another one where it's like that that whole thing of like you know if you if you make an appointment or don't, or there's all these little things that can happen in your life. Like if I hadn't done that, this major thing wouldn't have happened. And yeah, right. uh, if a summer story kind of has that. Yeah, if the, if the cart with the mirror hadn't gone through the scene at the right time, who knows what could have happened. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, if I, if I had gone to work today or didn't, um, I'd love that stuff because it's, yeah, it, it, it's it's taking the all the control away from us, and we think we are so in yeah, control. Sliding doors. I'll have to watch that again. I remember that. That's that one where the the guy misses the train. Yeah, Gwyneth misses the yes. yeah, like the 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 subway. Like she's in like the underground. I mean, yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. misses it, but then the movie splits between what if she had gotten on it and what if yeah. she hadn't? And so the whole movie is this parallel. Awesome. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that, but I, I love it. It's, I, mm. it kind of got low rated on Letterboxd for some reason, but I like uh, it. That happens all the time. I, I tell know, Graham, you've uh, got to be. As you can probably tell, I mean, the, the, the random stuff I watch, I, just, I wouldn't watch any of it if I believed the ratings. Well, and for a a summer story, is this one that you this is this one that you sought out because, I mean, I've I'm turning around what you just said. Yeah, you'd Riff, never heard of it before. Yeah, Riff mentioned it, um, and at the time, I, I remember thinking oh, I'll put it on watch list. I'll get to it one day, and and sure enough, when I got to it, I was like, wow, this is ten, no doubt. Like it's just a, a brilliant film, and I watched it again last week and. Yeah, I'm insane. It's still, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. What is your favorite thing about it, like on an emotional level? Like, do you feel like how how is it different for you? Like, where you feel like it resonates, or does it resonate, or do you just really appreciate it? I think it's just got a lovely rhythm to it. Um, the the way that the characters build without too much melodrama. I actually kind of like the. Um, the sex scene in the middle. I think that really helped. It helped just mm -hmm. get get the thing moving. Um, I agree. And the characters were great. I think Wilby's brilliant. Um, yeah, they're, 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 there's nothing about that film that I don't like. I think the, the rhythm is really, really nice. Um, and I just see myself watching it over and over, over the years now. Yeah, and getting something out of it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, okay, so, it's free on YouTube and Tubi, by the way, if anyone wants to watch it. I was, a, I was about to say you got to plug Tubi because that's what everyone does now. Yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm the only, like, 
the only um, hesitant convert with Tubi because because ads in the middle of the movie to me are just like so. But I guess I can yeah. get up and go do something so and then come back. They've got know. a lot of random stuff on there that that is hard to find elsewhere. So it's good for that. Um, yeah, is on Criterion. Um, although mm-hmm. it sounds a bit weird on that version on the Criterion channel for some reason, I don't know why. Um, mm. But they've got some commentary and stuff on there too, like the some channel features. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So each time. Uh, Graham doesn't know what I'm about to do, so this is exciting. But e- each time with this series, um, I'm either re-watching or watching for the first time one of the movies in this book, the best film you've ever seen, you've never seen by uh, mm-hmm. Robert Elder. And the one I have for today to recommend is Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, Ooh. which is... Do you have experience with this, Graham? I'm assuming I that you this do. Like three years ago, but yeah, it's fantastic film. It's <laughs> yes, and I think uh, this is not one that's necessarily a hidden gem amongst our group. <laughs> I would say, no. I would say most no. uh, cinephiles and like especially Lynch uh, fans have absolutely seen Twin, Twin Peaks and then absolutely seen Fire Walk With Me. But in this book, um, it is a hidden gem. And I would say maybe in the vast populace, uh, this, this is one that like not a lot of people have seen or could could see because it's so intense. But it's, it is a five-star for me and uh, one of my absolute favorites. I think outside of the cinephile community, it's probably true to say that pretty much anything by David Lynch is a hidden gem. Do you think so? Yeah. Uh, I've talked to lots of people that don't watch lots of movies and they just don't watch David Lynch. So. Do they even know who he is, would you it's say? It's too difficult. Yeah. It's just too difficult to get their heads around. What What about like Cronenberg uh, or like, do you think it's the same with, with anybody that would be similar to him? Because I, I often think so of... Cronenberg was classical horror. So the the horror fans generally move towards Cronenberg, whereas it's the the weird fans that go for Lynch. Mm, good distinction there. I would think. I, I don't know why I clumped them together in my mind. Well, maybe it's because typically a person who would like Lynch is, a, is also a person who would like Dave. Yeah. I, I love them both, so I'm probably not. A big it, see that. <laughs> You are exactly what I'm describing. That's exactly yeah, right. I think exactly. that I think that anybody who does would would like them both. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Well, you mentioned Ken Russell, right? So that would be another one. Yeah, yeah, another another one that's a bit out there. Yeah, there's, there's heaps, isn't there? <laughs> yes, those are the those are the top three. So, so uh, yeah, I think um, Summer Story is just a, a pleasure. And uh, you have to see it for the ending, too, because Graham uh, very graciously did not spoil it for you. And then uh, Quadrophenia, you need to also see. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. We'll see you at the movies. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs>